goodness, that's me. Good morning. Great. We've gathered to love God and to worship Him, to enter into the fullness of His grace. Um, this morning, because I'm going to be looking at a theme that runs from Genesis to Revelation, and we'll actually read some scriptures in Genesis and in Revelation, I want to begin with a call to worship that starts in the book of Revelation. It's from Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse 12, the call to worship, which should be further up. We'll get there. Um, and I've set that responsibly. There we go. And what's tricky about this one is it starts with the congregation. So let's begin with the word of the people from uh, Revelation chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the sea and on the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our opening hymn of praise is actually taken from the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 72, but in the hymnal or on the screen, it's number 219. As you're able, let's stand together and sing our praise to God. And have a seat if you would. Well, 
I'm glad to be able to welcome those of you on site on this beautiful Michigan summer day. We're here to worship the Lord, to sit under His Word, to be encouraged by His grace, but also those on site, whether our live stream or recorded service, that we get to take what God is doing here and be a part of your time and space. We're glad to be together in this way. Thankful for that. Um, number of announcements, things that are happening. Right after this worship service, we will gather for fellowship time, some coffee, munchies, a great time to connect with folks, perhaps meet someone new. That's why we encourage folks uh, to do the name tags and such. Um, we'll also, at 1030, I will be meeting in kind of an open Q&A format downstairs uh, in room number one, a chance for folks to ask questions, whether the sermon or other things. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, like that. A number of things coming up. One that is just beginning to emerge, and I'm able to talk with Celebration about it first, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. Sunday the 23rd, we will uh, be pulling together what we're calling a walk-up choir. You know, since I came here, there's been a desire to add a, a music director for handbells and choir and that sort of thing. And we've been in the process always looking, but we've actually been in the process the past few months of working some interviews, and we have a candidate that we'd like to introduce. And so on that Sunday at 8 a.m., if you're interested in uh, singing in a choir sort of setting, there'll be a rehearsal. Then in our 9 a.m. service, they will be part of our worship, and there'll be other opportunities to meet uh, this candidate as well. You'll read more, but it broke here first at Celebration. So it's for you and to enjoy. Some other things coming up, and we've got slides here on the uh, July 16th, our summer service week, that we end up hosting and leading a middle school student conference. And it's a great ministry that lets us uh, work with other churches, affect and impact the lives of middle schoolers, and indeed serve throughout our community. There's always opportunities for various volunteers, whether intercession or making food. We've been working already with a team of high schoolers, college students, other people who can sleep on the gym. That leaves me out but other people who can spend the week with them. So be aware this is coming up beginning Monday, July, or I guess that's Sunday, July 16. The other thing we're celebrating is um, we've just finished Adventure Week, and let me tell you, I've been loving it. I'm still doing the Batman thing, so um, that was my part. We've got a wham and a bam every time that happens. One of the things we just figured out this week, the kids brought 202 pounds of coins to give to Mika's Lunch, a ministry that we're a part of here, provides meals in the Dominican Republic for school children so that they can eat and uh, study, often in very impoverished situations. But 202 pounds, that's about $1,532. So we're thankful to be a part of that, and I was anxious to let you see in just three minutes of what that looked like for that week. So let's run the video and see Adventure Week.
nights of that. Great. And our thanks to Becky, who kind of headed that up, our children's ministry director. But I hope what you saw was not only the kids that were able to begin to teach the hope of the gospel and the foundations of the scripture, but also folks from all ages across Hardaway being a part of making it happen. These things don't happen because of one person. They happen because of God moving amongst a whole crew. And that's why our vision here at Hardwick is to invite everyone, both inside and outside, but everyone to join the journey of being formed by, found in, and following Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. So let's turn to the Heidelberg Catechism. I'm preaching through uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're now into what they call the petitions, where we take each of the verbs we're taught to pray. Come, kingdom, done, will. That's how we divide those things up. Today we're looking at the second petition. And so our opening question is this. What does this second petition mean? Your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit 
in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve your church and make it grow. Destroy the devil's works. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. Part of the vision of the gospel, the context, is that Jesus is king of all that he created, all that is. Well, one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So we pray this even as we sing it. Hymn number five is, let all things now living. As you're able, let's stand and sing to his glory. Have a seat if you would. As I was preparing for our prayer time, it struck me, um, well, I've been gone for a while, and it's good to be back home and, and settled in the place that I really feel like God has called me to plant roots. Uh, two weeks ago, remember Corey Plockmeyer was here uh, preaching, thankful to partner with uh, that ministry uh, movement, West Michigan. I was in Muskegon where I was kind of meeting and pastoring and uh, bringing to a close a ministry of almost 25 years, uh, New Heart Community Church in Muskegon. It was their closing service. Now, enough people have asked. I wanted to make sure 
were aware, that was not the CRC Church, Angel Community Church. We've gotten to know Pastor Jeffrey Hoff from Muskegon. This was a church in my own movement and denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, that um, had come on to a moment where they weren't able to sustain ministry. And so uh, we felt that we needed to close that. Um, that's part of the challenge we're facing in our time. It's a very unique and, and challenging time in my uh, several decades, I'll say, of ministry. But I'm encouraged by the sense of revitalization so many of you are experiencing, and, and I am as well here at Hardwike. It's great. And you know what one of the most exciting aspects of that for me is? It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with people identifying where God is at work in their life, identifying their gifts, and then investing their gifts. I was out Friday, which is usually a day I try to hide, but I passed by two Hardwike folks, celebration folks, who are caring for people, caring for God's creation, serving in ways that they wouldn't even want their name, but that I could recognize as God motivating them in our community. So I'm always looking for that. I had for the second time someone come up to me, a young couple, and say, you know, my girlfriend and I just started studying the Bible and we'd like to know more about God and what he's doing. I want to tell you, when people come to me and say, I just started studying Bible with somebody who means something to me, I'm thinking that's a sign God's at work. So let's celebrate that. I'm thankful to be a part of what God is doing. Um, we live in, one of the things that's happening in our time is what I'd call the death of celebrity religion. One of the great things about celebration is nobody's here because your pastor is a celebrity. I'm just me, for better or for worse, a big sinner who got rescued by a great Savior. Let me tell you about him. It's the hope of our world. Let's pray together. That's what Jesus is calling us to and teaching us in this summer. Let's turn to him. Father in heaven, thank you that though I sometimes look at the world and wonder what, what is going on, that I can ask that question of you because in truth, you are moving history in all our decisions, in all our mistakes, in all our fears, in all our hopes, but you are moving history to your point. So we thank you for the security that comes from you being God and not us. We thank you for the freedom that comes to us through Jesus, enabling us to live in your grace giving you glory and bringing blessing to others. We thank you for your great and marvelous work. We pray for Heart of Wake Ministries. We know how that uh, affects our community as we see Adventure Week, as we pray and put together uh, Summer Serve, as we gather to worship, as we live our lives encouraged and bringing that encouragement uh, to our neighbors. We pray for Heart of Wake Ministries. Guide us, Father, in the decisions and opportunities we face. We pray for Watershed and Pastor Aaron as he brings the scripture this morning. For Pastor JB, who'll be preaching in fusion after being away. Thank you for his safe travel. And for Missy Owen and Pastor Florencio, uh, 
will be preaching in the Spanish language right where I stand in just a few hours. Thank you that your kingdom is bigger than any one of us. We pray now specifically for celebration, and we thank you for the evidence of your great work. We pray in your mercy and grace to uh, continue to encourage us and lead us, fill us. Give us ears that hear the cry of the wounded and the lonely and the frightened, that we may point to the love and grace of Jesus, even as we walk with them. Father, we pray for this process we've been in and the opportunities ahead of us with uh, taking a step uh, in with terms of our musical expression and celebration with the director. We pray you'd guide that process to your completion. We pray too, Father, that you would bind us together as your people. You bear the fruit of kindness and gentleness in us to receive those who uh, may be weeping, those who may be lonely or sick. I'm going to encourage you to take just a, a moment in this silence to pray for a person or a situation that comes to mind where the hope of the gospel uh, might be yours to minister. Just pray for those in your circle of relationships. Father, your word teaches us as well in 1 Timothy to pray for those in authority over us. And so it's our habit week to week to pray for different spheres of authority. This week in our rotation, we pray for the federal level of government in our nation, for President Biden and Vice President Harris, for Michigan Senators Debbie Stabenauer and Gary Peters, our area uh, representative Bill Heisinga, and indeed for our Supreme Court. We pray as well for those in appointed positions or, or hired support staff that permeate um, all the authority of that level, our armed forces indeed that represent us nationally. We thank you, Father, that even though we do not know all that they face, we know you who can be with them. And so we appeal to you to guide them like a river in your hand to bear fruit. Be with those making decisions. Father, we pray too for the missionary work of um, Heart Awake as it extends not only in this immediate community, but to the under ends of the earth. We pray for Luke and Kelsey Carrick and their children. As Luke uh, has returned to his home city, Greystones, Ireland, and is there involved in church planting and re church revitalization and discipleship, uh, we pray that you extend and provide for their ministry. Guide us as hard like how to be a part of Luke's calling to make a difference in the history of that nation. Finally, I'll close with words mostly borrowed from Scotty Smith. Father, we see in your word that to harbor resentment is nothing short of harboring a criminal, a criminal who is bent on destruction, for resentment is bent on illegal activity, like disturbing the peace, like robbing joy, like killing kindness, grieving the Holy Spirit and fueling a critical spirit. Resentment is a great drain of energy for our lives and our love. So Father, by the love that sent Jesus to the cross and the power that raised him from the dead, center and settle me 
as well as my friends as we pray this morning. Work inside each of us so that we may give no place to thinking, speaking, or reacting with resentment. As this day and this coming week begins, and as it continues, fill us with your grace and spirit. Grant us quick repentances and many fast returns to gospel sanity and kindness. And if we need to repair things that we've damaged from yesterday or several days before, grant us humility, humility, and more humility that we might receive the grace that restores us and extend the grace that brings reconciliation. Father, thank you that Jesus did not leave us alone to try to invent a worthy expression, but that prayer so central to the life of our Savior, he would teach us and teach us to pray using these words. Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, we continue in the series, Teach Us to Pray. We've been breaking down the verbs, the various segments of the Lord's Prayer. We say that together. Uh, it's been said by believers in locations and across history. It's how Jesus answered the request, teach us to pray. And so we take that seriously. We've been following along uh, kind of a parallel book with that as well. J.I. Packer, a great British writer, praying the Lord's Prayer. And today we're going to focus on a particular petition, your kingdom come. The verb, the action word there is come, bring it, God, bring it on. And because this is such a central theme, I could preach related to the kingdom all the way back to the beginning and all the way to the end. And I'm actually going to read from texts that begin in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, that will then focus on Matthew's uh, recording of this petition from Jesus and then point us to the end. So as I do that, I'm going to ask as you're able, uh, let's stand together. I'll read, but out of reverence and consideration for the written word of God, let's stand and hear God's word. This is the Lord speaking through his prophet. He says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not even be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Just a little later in that prophecy, we read this. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray this way. Say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then finally, looking far ahead into the mists of future. John the Apostle sees this. 
Then I, John, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer even any sea. I saw the holy city, that new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, just as he'd said in Isaiah, right? For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for the folks in Holland. (laughs) For these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated if you would, and I'll pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and grace. And we thank you that you have condescended from your sovereign, majestic omnipotence, but you've condescended to speak into human language, as it were, your greatness and goodness. And so we ask and beg you, Lord God, that just as you spoke through the prophet, spoke in the voice of Jesus and gave John a vision to record that in your grace, you would now continue to speak. Thank you for your written word that you preserved it across these centuries, that now we can turn to it, translate, study, read, ponder. But most of all, we pray that in it, we may hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, guiding our footsteps, giving us a great hope, and a great joy fill us this day. Guard your people from my confusion and brokenness, but speak to us that we might bear fruit to your glory and to the benefit of our neighbors. For we pray in the mighty name of Jesus and, God's, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Oh, my pardon. You know, it's been a while since we've been in here and I just suddenly realized I was missing that. Well teach us to pray. Today, we're going to look at an area that I think brings us to ponder two differences, and not two things that are similar and perhaps overlapping and perhaps can be coordinated, but two things that are clashing. So, I've put the word conflicts in this sermon title. We want to talk about the kingdoms that are in conflict. And it brings us to consider our life. Now, to really get into this, and you saw as I wanted to get all of that scripture, we need to think large in terms of the scripture. And there's a framework that kind of gives context and meaning to all 66 of the Bible. Two key things we need to remember every time we read from beginning to end. The first part of this framework is the idea that the Lord is king over all creation, that it is the Lord who is king. Now, this means a a couple of different things. One, it means that a particular God, not just any kind of spiritual experience or deity. No, the Lord is king over all creation. Anytime you're reading the Old Testament and you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, as opposed to capital L, small O, small R, small D, anytime you see all caps, that tells you it's the translation of the name that God revealed to Moses, 
in the burning bush. It's the name of God. It's not a position. It's a person, Yahweh, the Lord. And that God, his character, he is king, ruler of all creation. He's holy. That means a holy God rules creation. He's a defender of the widow and the orphan. That God rules over all that is. He is beyond our thoughts or imaginings. It's that God who's the king. That's the assumption and the framework, the con context of the scripture. And we need to remember that and know that because to really understand what's happening, you've got to know what's the game, what are the rules. If you were to just see a football game, it would not make as much sense if you didn't know the rules, the assumptions. Oh, okay, I see what they're doing. And they're playing by football rules, not baseball rules. The words of the Bible are always within the context of the Lord is king. That means it's the Lord and not Allah. Two different understandings of God, the deity of Islam. It means that it's the Lord of the Bible and not Vladimir Putin's mother Russia spirituality. There's distinguishing characteristics of the person who is king of all creation. And this means, frankly, that all else is contingent, secondary. There's God, everything else flows from that. Why is there a beautiful sunset? Because of God. Think about it, there are many people who are in effect living as if, oh, what a stunningly beautiful random accident that is. I wanna tell you, friends, the beauty of this world points beyond itself. The life that we have points us to something greater. Even the brokenness reflects upon us a yearning for the wholeness that we desire to have. Everything is secondary or contingent. And that means you, while contingent, are not an accident. There's few more powerful affirming things, it seems to me. I understand many of us began or have been through very difficult times, but we need to recognize that there's something bigger and greater, even in the difficult times. You are not an accident. There's purpose. I may not understand it. It may look conflicting to me. I understand that. But there's something greater. That means you are not an accident. It also means your neighbor is not an accident. We're called to recognize the image bearer that lives in every person, that is every person we live with. Whether it's a neighbor across the street or whether it's the self-destructive fentanyl addict on the street of the Kensington neighborhood in Philadelphia, marked by the image of God. Friends, your best version of yourself <laughs> is not yours to determine because identity is a gifting or a calling. My best version of myself is not what I make of me. My best version of myself is living into what I was created and equipped and called to be. So this first key framework is that the Lord is king. The second framework is a little sadder, namely that rebellion has broken out. Rebellion has broken out and there are horrific consequences. God's creation is still loved by God, but it's not functioning as he intended or intends it. 
Now, let me be real clear about something. There's been a rebellion, and it has consequences. I'll often use the word, we are all broken. But I've come to realize that in a way now that wasn't present years ago when I started, when I say broken, many folks think, oh, so just throw it away. Friends, I may be broken, you may be broken, but we are not unloved. We are not without value. We're not to be discarded or treated as trash. Because the image bearer that each person is, though broken, it gets exciting, has been called to redemption and change. That's the good news. Broken, yes. Gotta be clear about that. But without value, unloved, absolutely not in the gospel. There's a misunderstanding that frame, that if we don't get these two things right in our framework, we'll carry into us for the rest of the scripture. So the Lord is king over all. That means we're all secondary and contingent. And there's rebellion that leads to brokenness. So there's where the great story begins. And what we learn with the great story, Jesus teaches us to pray within that great story, is that the restoration of his rule has been promised. Thy kingdom come. We need to remember that we're praying for the coming of a kingdom that has been promised. The apostle Paul calls that story, that coming kingdom, the gospel of God's grace. It's the announcement of what God has done. In a nutshell, it's the undoing of the rebellion and its consequences. You see it earliest in Genesis 3.15. That's how early the announcement of the restoration of his good rule is made. Genesis 3.15. It says, this coming one will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the Lord speaking to the tempter. We heard this promise this morning in Isaiah. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. Boy, I've been through some things in my life that I can hardly wait to forget. There are some things that will be forgotten. That's why I've given my heart day to day to live with forgiveness. I'm not going to bear a grudge and bring to memory things that God will undo. Later on, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. I've never seen a place like that. You're right, Bill, you haven't. But there is a day coming. That's the restoration of his rule that is promised. Well, the great story continues when the restoration of his rule arrives. The king is Jesus, but he's born in a backwater little town in a backwater little nation under the boot heel of a brutal nation, the Romans. Yeah, but he's the king. And he didn't come to annihilate. He came to redeem and to rescue. That's the good news of this coming king. He came not to destroy, but he came to rescue. He infiltrates the rebel-held land. And he doesn't annihilate it. No, he sets it up for redemption. And then, oh, I was so hoping the story would end. No, he sets it up for redemption. And he extends the great story and the restoration of his rule. 
This is where you and I are invited to take part. The restoration of the true king's rule now extends to all people. That's what the Great Commission is. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says, therefore go. And go means a change of location. Go across the tracks. Go across the seas. Go across that wall of unforgiveness. Go to a different neighborhood. Where is God calling you and us? Go. That great commission is the invitation to be a part of God's work of extending that. He does it because he is with us. It's the indwelling spirit of God in his people. It was promised. It arrived. And now we're in the season of extending. We have a message from a king. And so we do not use the forces or the strategies of this world. He makes us ambassadors. That's a critically important thing, that we don't represent our kingdom, we represent God's kingdom. We live by God's rule in the kingdoms of this world, but we live by him and for him, and we bring that message to the world. Because you see, this is a message for every tribe and tongue and nation. One of the reasons I love to sometimes worship with a group of people who are very different than me is because it reminds me that all people are the object of God's love. To sit through a worship service in a language that I cannot speak or understand reminds me that the barrier of language will one day be overcome in the kingdom of the living God. These are my people. Have no idea what they're saying, but they look happy. That experience points me to heaven. Friends, let's say it real straightforwardly as I pass on. This is the restoration of his rule extending, and it goes to every tribe and tongue and nation. It's not about territory or ethnic group or political system, religious nationalism of any sort. Islamic nationalism or Hindu nationalism or American nationalism. All those forms are about a particular tribe or nationality that begin to support themselves with a sort of religious expression. When Jesus is himself our true king, he sends us as ambassadors to all the nations of the earth. Not on behalf of our nation, but on behalf of his kingship. And so it is. Wang Yi is an ambassador to his own Chinese people. He's serving in prison right now. Bill is an ambassador of the kingdom of God to the people of West Michigan. We are called to a higher calling and to live out his grace, even as we're called to be faithful citizens, the kingdoms that we are in. So the great story begins and promises the king himself arrives and it now extends through his people. The good news for today is that there will come a restoration of his rule when it is established. Don't know if you've looked at the news or the headlines lately. The time is not right now. It's not happening. But by the grace of God, we live with a hope that it is coming. That's the future reality of Revelation 21. I read this morning in Revelation. Did you hear that? a new heaven and a new earth coming down from God. 
This is the true and perfect kingdom for which we were created, in which all God's rule flourishes, in which the besetting sin that I struggle with even yet will be conquered and I will be released from. That is good news for me. God will answer the prayer, thy kingdom come. It's on the way, it's not here, but I'm living in that hope every day. And it'll be established right here on a new earth, just as it is in God's heaven. That perfection of his intention will be manifest and shown to us right here. He will answer that prayer. And in that way, God will answer every prayer, every prayer I've ever prayed and thought was unanswered. For then there will be no more death then there will be no more pain or mourning. So now we pray, your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Your kingdom come, not the kingdom of this world. Your kingdom come. See, there's a conflict. We're laying aside one kingdom to lay hold of another. This is why I'll reduce it to two kingdoms in conflict, and you can see the challenge. How do you fill in those blanks? It's who against who. There is a conflict between that good kingdom that will one day be established and between the kingdom or kingdoms that rule our hearts right now. We need to let go of the one and reach out to the other. But this distinction is important that we identify and understand both our king and the other king. How do you perceive the conflict that you find yourself in? Well, some people will say something like, well, it's God's people against Satan's people. Yeah, sort of, maybe, sometimes, possibly, not really. Because you see, then when I break it up like that, I've got to ask, which side am I on? Oh, and I'll put myself in one place, and then it becomes an us and them, doesn't it? Then I'm firmly in the right. It's me and whatever mine is come. And when we get to the us and them, it's not long until we're there at the me versus you. Like I said last week as we gathered to worship, if conflict and triumph is how the world makes progress, we will need to always be moving from the current triumph to the next conflict. Look at the world. Is it going to resolve and stop? No, not as long as it's serving other kings. The gospel is about reconciliation. The world is about conflict and triumph. And when your life is about conflict and triumph, the minute you have triumph, you've got to identify a new conflict. You can see that in the history of the world. You can see that in our headlines in this moment. You see, when we think that conflicts eventually get down to me and you, we are demonstrating our need for rescue. The central point where this process begins, one kingdom against the other, friends, is our own heart. The real conflict that shows itself in all sorts of other ways begins with King Jesus or King me. King Jesus or King me. Will I have my way or will I let him have his way? Will I continue to maintain this unforgiveness, or will I let his forgiving of me be the energy to forgive others? Now, let me give you, you'll find in your bulletin insert, 
with a bulletin, an oversimplified little diagram. I, I get that, but sometimes for clarity. You see, there's a way to live the self-directed life. And all of life just buzzes out in its own kind of way. But we're called, and the journey that we're on at Hardwick is to move towards the Christ-directed life. And bit by bit, aspects of our life begin to come together and, and make sense and bear fruit and be for other people. I was taken, I've been with a number of groups uh, in my time here that have read books by Paul David Tripp, and I've included this brilliant quote, I think, uh, in the bulletin. Let me just read it. So tell yourself again today that there is a king, but he is not you. Tell yourself that there is a kingdom that will protect and satisfy your heart, but it is not your kingdom. As Jesus said, there is a kingdom that you should seek, but you will never, ever be its monarch, quite apart from anything you could have done, achieved, earned, or deserved. You have been given a kingdom. The price of that gift was the suffering and death of the king himself. But he conquered death so that by grace he could establish his rule in your heart. See, the challenge is, first of all, who rules here? When I pray, thy kingdom come, I am praying that that restored rulership, it was promised, it arrived in Jesus, we're now part of extending it, that that final rulership begins to show in my heart and my life and my relationships and my investments that Jesus might reign. I want to share with you a, a story that I think makes really challenged me about uh, having to sort through the various kings that are pulling on our hearts. I came across it in a publisher's weekly magazine interview for the launch of a new book. I'll give you a little bit of context. It's a book written by a woman whose ex-husband was a high-profile celebrity pastor in a non-denominational church movement. I, I've known of the movement and of the pastor and all the things that have happened with that. There's lots of backstory, but we don't need for me to go through all of that to simply illustrate what I want you to see here. And this is not so much about a person as it is about a, an inflection. I want you to see this to, to warn me and our own hearts. This is a woman, former pastor's wife. Here's her reflection on her life. There was no room for us to fail or deviate from this ideal of perfection. I couldn't have yoga videos in the house. I couldn't have a glass of wine on Valentine's Day. One day I came home and my entire collection, CD collection, had been thrown in the trash, I presume by her husband, ex-husband. All of this because there was fear that somebody would think badly of us, that we'd be well below the standard we were trying to be a model of as a married couple. Now, what's the motivating force this person is describing? It's a fear that somebody would think badly of us, that we would not perform up to the standard we were trying to present to others. That's a brutal king to serve. It led to the collapsing of this church, 
it led to the breakdown of this marriage. But here's the new book, and here's where it goes on. And this is why I want to be so warned. I liken myself to a woman, she writes, walking along the beach and picking up shells and sea glass. I was finding pieces of myself, and every time I found one little piece, it made me keep wanting to walk in that direction and see what else was there. What else have I lost? I don't view it as I left the church. I view it as I walked toward myself. What do you do when you have two options and neither of them deal with the kingdom of God or the gospel? I'm thankful that she was able to turn away from one brutal ruler king, a church culture based on fear and performance, but to see that replaced with a kingdom of self, it's one dictator for the next. The gospel calls us to a different king and a different kingdom. And there may be times that the world says, go this way or go that way. And Jesus is saying, no, go this way. Follow me. I am the true and good king. Under my rulership, all creation, redeemed, reconciled, will flourish. Do you see that difference? Not a kingdom of fear and performance, not a kingdom of self-determined actualization, but a kingdom of the Father that Jesus has opened to you and to me and that he extends to the whole world. This week I saw a film called Sound of Freedom. It's based roughly on a time when drug traffickers begin to get involved in uh, sexual trafficking, slavery of humans. And I was very taken by the issue. I don't know a lot about the person it was roughly based on, so I'm still learning on that. But I watched that film. I was preparing this sermon. And I remember thinking that when drug traffickers are selling children and government agencies are holding up their hands and going, only so much we can do, that King Jesus is saying from the cross, not in my kingdom, no way. None of this will stand where I am king. So we pray your kingdom come. And whether it's the brokenness in our hearts or the brokenness in our culture or the rivers of wickedness that hit our urban landscape, we pray your kingdom come. Come in us and then your kingdom through us into this world until finally your kingdom is established on earth as it is in heaven. When you return and establish your kingship, we're living for that right now. I invite you, friends, join me in prayer that says your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let us start living for the day when there will be no more gun violence or fentanyl when there'll be no more legal marijuana or government-sponsored gambling, no more crying or cancer or chemotherapy or funerals, no more wars or cluster bombs, no more food chain with the strong devouring the weak. We know where it starts at the cross where Jesus gave his life for me and for all human beings. We believe that it changes our hearts and leads to the kingdom of the heavenly Father when he will establish it. But at this moment, the door is open. Let's join the journey. It begins, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we live in a painfully broken world. And we see in that brokenness what is not your intention. 
but we have seen in the King who has rescued us a glimpse of the good things to come. And so I pray that you would empower your people to live this day one step deeper into that great kingdom and one step further out of the kingdoms of this world, whether fear or self-actualization. Draw us to yourself and then move through us to every aspect of the world that we might uh, function in the fruit of your Holy Spirit in our jobs and in our neighborhoods and in our families and in our state and in our nation, indeed on our planet. Father, move in the fullness of your power and grace. Thank you for your kindness. Teach us to pray your kingdom, no other. Your kingdom come. Begin with me, move through me, move to the world, complete it by your grace. But your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. These things we pray in the one who gave his life to rescue us. His name is Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Hymn number 926. Again, a hymn that's a prayer. God of grace and God of glory, on your people, pour your power. As you're able, let's stand and sing together, hymn 926. And then, 
Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, he was speaking to those 12 on the mountain, but through them to us. Turn to the person next to you and say, whoa. (laughs) This is the words of Jesus spoken through them to us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, to me, he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.